The Urban Kenya Podcast is brought to you by the Urban Educators Collective. The UEC is a partnership of 13 schools located in urban areas to broaden our impact and work to enrich each other. Our goal is to bring 1,000 smiling faces into 30 urban schools by 2030. This podcast serves to illuminate the work that God is doing, not just in the cities we reside, but all across America. We post bi-weekly and just recently launched season two. Find out more about what we do and how you can help by visiting www.uecollective.org. www.uecollective.org. Our main audience are people who come from these backgrounds, um, fairly decent homes, usually. There's, there's going to be problems in any home. And some people have lived very similar lives to us just in the context of an Anabaptist culture. And so it can happen. Um, but usually they're coming with this mindset, I have a lot to give. I've been given a lot. I have a lot to give. But they usually fail to give voice. <laughs> and I don't, I don't quite know in totality why that is. But how has that affected you or how, what advice do you have for people to make sure that they're not affecting people negatively in that way? How do you give someone voice? How do you value someone? Um, what does that look like? Um, so, yeah, I, I know that a lot of people who come into the community struggle with this. It seems to be a very similar experience. I know for myself, the way I came into the community, I felt like um, I tried I, think, I feel like I tried very hard to assimilate, to learn from the people around me. I learned the, like what goes, what doesn't go, um, what was expected, what, what would get you into the closest, into the, you know, into the good graces of the community. Mm-hmm. I would say I gave it my all to trying to assimilate into the community. However, I do recognize, though, towards... A certain point, though, I felt like I didn't. I well, this has to do also with the fact that I never really shared my heart with anyone mm-hmm. at that time either, and I felt like no one really understood what was happening in my home and my life, and I didn't feel like I had a voice um, to, or outlet to share that. So I feel like I feel very. I just want to say, for them, I feel very blessed to be able to come to the a writing. Um, community there at Fairview Mennonite Church during the era of Jay Fox. He mm. was a very um, inspirational man to me. And he also was someone that I felt like was a bridge maker. And he made a bridge into my family. So yeah, Jay Fox was a bridge maker in my family without him and the way he interacted with my dad specifically. we wouldn't, I wouldn't have continued to go to Fairview Mennonite Church. Anyway, I feel like... I came, like I said, so I feel like I really tried, I gave my all to become a part of the community. I tried to simulate as much as possible. I really wanted to look the part, act the part, because I really wanted a place to belong. I think one of the major things that we have to understand is that when people that aren't from the Mennonite Ariana Baptist community come into the community, they're oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes they come from a place of brokenness, of broken relationship. And oftentimes, at least for myself, like I really did not feel like I belonged anywhere. I feel like I was like an orphan in many ways. And so when I came to uh, Fairview, 
there is this beautiful aspect to the Unbaptist community where people it seems like a family and like I want to be a part of family and so one of the main reasons why I wanted to become a member there was because I wanted to be in for real like really in so I can feel this family family love and familial family anyway family love and so that was a huge driving force however and and I feel like I had a, one of the best experiences I had there was Jay Fox um, was really good at, he, like, I had a lot of vision to, like, I had a big heart for the city children there in Reading because I saw myself in them. And he did hear my voice when it came to, like, my dreams for making, giving them a, a chance at what I was able to receive through my mentor, Lisa. And so I do feel very grateful that he actually took the time to listen to my voice when it came to my ideas, like um, starting like a adopt a child program there, mm. which I don't think is any longer in action. But he did allow me to have a voice there when it came to ways to better integrate into the community. And so I was very grateful for that. And, but I do also realize at the same time, um, as I was a minority in the church. And Mm -hmm. so at a certain point when there was going to be a huge church change, I remember feeling like I could vote, but I just know my voice wouldn't count. I feel like I felt very strongly about a certain direction that the church was going to head, but I felt like I actually did not end up voting because I felt like it wouldn't make a difference. So whether it would have made a difference or not, only God knows if I would have actually thrown it in, but it still goes to say, I at the end of the day, I did believe, like, yeah, I'm the minority. Most people would not. The majority is going to vote one way, and I know I'm probably mm-hmm. the minority. So I could have been, you know, assuming, but it, the church did head the direction I thought it would without my vote. So yeah, I think moving ahead though, like kind of a snapshot then, and I think this was part of the um, Adopt-A-Child uh, program, right, that you started, and then you were asked to share your testimony at church, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I just remember um, how shocked people were to actually hear your story after years and years of being in the church. No, I think, I think though, what I'm really trying, also what I'm trying to say along with that is that I was really, I'm grateful for the way that my voice was heard at Fairview, especially mm-hmm. from Jay Fox specifically, because I had a heart for the community around me. However, I felt like as I continued on in the community, I felt like what I felt like would be really important for people to know in reaching out to the community around them, I was not asked. So what do you think? Mm-hmm. Like, I know you just came part of our community. You've been trying really hard to fit in. And like, I noticed that you're like, yeah, really applying yourself. I taught Sunday school. I taught small girl uh, groups for girl, like teenage girls. I was a part of Tuesday night Bible school. I was very heavily involved in my community. I don't. I never once did anyone come to me and say, "Hey, you really have acclimated yourself," and I can tell you've tried really hard to understand our culture and to pour your life into not only the community but also into our children what do you think we could do better? Or like, is there any way we could be reaching people around us better? I know I got a tab of voice when I shared about the adopt a child program, but that was the first time and the last time 
I don't think I've, I've actually never had anyone ask me those questions. And I've been a part of the community for years. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm a girl. So I don't know if that makes a difference. It, play, it plays a factor in the culture. <laughs> and I, res- yeah. But I do think also, like, that was part of the voice I felt like I never was able to fully express. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, and I do know that I had a lot of youthful passion and vigor. I think one thing I want to say about this, and I realized in reflection, because I do think back to my time, you know, coming into the community and being in the community and my visions and dreams and everything like that. I do feel like as someone who wasn't a part of the community, I felt like that I might have come across, like I was very excited about what, see, I, I came to a place where I was like, I really felt like in a baptism, there are some really amazing beliefs that are able to be passed on to anyone. Like I felt very passionate about this, but um, at the same time, I think I still came across maybe to people unintentionally and I really feel sad about it but it, and it might have been the way I talked or whatever passionately about it or I don't know and maybe there was something deep in me but people felt like I was somewhat anti-Mennonite and and so I got that vibe even though I felt like I'm like I actually think you guys believe in something really cool and I think I don't know if you guys believe in it as much as I do no I'm so serious though like no, I feel I like my my friends were like just they did the the motions of it, but I was like, I think I really believe this. Mm-hmm. And I think this can be life-changing for other people. Um, but I still, I think I came across as anti-Mennonite, which was sad because I, and I do regret if I do, did come across that way. Well, there's nobody that we've had, I'm trying to think who we've had in the show so far. We've had Qua, we've had Manny, <clears throat> we've had me, we've had, um, oh, Alex, we've had Alex? Yeah. Okay, so we had Manny, we've had Qua, we've had Alex, we've had others... Um, we, none of them have gotten through their church experiences without being accused of being anti-Mennonite. It's not a downplay it. It's not a downplay what you just said, but it is very, a very real thing that someone who comes in and takes on something passionately doesn't always jive well with those who were born, who are raised in it. And I think that exists everywhere that this kind of thing happens, but there is a responsibility, I think, from a church, from people who are in theory, honoring God together, you know, supporting each other. You, you say someone's welcome into your church family, then you have to treat them like family. And you have to... And so I think they're... I don't want to use the word insecurity. It can be demeaning. It can be... I think it's valuable to see this from both perspectives. You felt like there could have been more work put into giving voice from the general group. Um, and you were trying to do things to help that happen. At the same time, you look back and recognize there are things that maybe if you could have been, however old you are now, at that time, if you could have the perspective you do now, that you could have gone about it in different ways. And then just, just the third way is just total miscommunication. It's hard to communicate with people who weren't raised the same way you were. These are all things that, again, I'm not going into necessarily how how much of this should happen, how much cross-cultural stuff, you know, all these things. But as it happens and as people try, I think it's a valuable perspective. And I think to bring that home, I I look at people who have gone through some pretty serious pain and I've allowed that pain to push them out of faith, push them out of not just their communities, but faith away from their families, away from God. Um, it's encouraging to Rebecca to see that you've, come through a life that was not easy by any means, um, well below the standard of a healthy um, childhood. And 
have come out to a place where now you're raising your kids in a healthy, loving home. You know, you're, you're trusting the right people. You're, you're living a, what I would say, a valuable life for God. And so I think for those who are listening at home that want to help people get there that might not quite understand themselves, might not have walked that journey themselves, you can't change that. You can never change that because now you're an adult and you had your childhood. It's gone, okay? Now they're stuck with this task of trying to um, live well with people with need, like Jesus told them to. And um, I think what you shared today is a very valuable piece in getting that, getting them the right perspective. Yeah. yeah. Because of that. You really are such an empathetic person, and I think that just really guides so much of what you do and so many of the different relationships that you have. So from whether you're doing mentoring, whether you're just talking to any person in church, socially, it seems like your question has usually been, what does this person want? You know, and how can I be a part of satisfying that desire? And certainly that can be unhealthy if you're just a people pleaser. But I think you've been truly saying, like, this is what I would want in this situation. And, like, how can I provide that or be that person for somebody else and so from mentoring to now being a mother and thinking about like how much a kid just wants you to look at them in the eyes and mm-hmm. play with them and like I mean it just serves you so well in so many situations mm-hmm. and I, I just really admire that I think we all just and we all just really want to be loved mm-hmm. I think that's a really human central de- a central human desire to be loved back to I think one thing that's really really important for for me and my life and sharing about like how I've come from a place of a heartache and am able to be in many ways in a journey of healing. I do believe that everyone is on a journey of healing. Um, we're all healing either spiritually or mentally or physically. And for myself, I, I feel like there are people that spoke into my life at very critical times. For example, like when I was 10, right before my teacher came to my life, when I was 10 years old, I was not heading towards God. I was heading, I was kind of finding the friends in school that were similar to me. And I wasn't necessarily interested in becoming a Christian. And then when Lisa, my teacher, came into my life, it really point, pushed me to think about God a bit more seriously. And she did, like, um, in many ways, help me begin my journey with Christ. I And... But then there was still, of course, years of growth in that regard. But what was huge for me with the people in my life that did reach out to me, they weren't always able to be there. Mm-hmm. No one was able, ever able to be enough for me. Mm-hmm. And I had to come to a place in my own life and journey where I realized that Christ was literally yeah. the only one that mm-hmm. could be enough for me. Mm, yeah. And people were letting me down, right? People were leaving but Christ was someone I realized, like, wow, okay, he's the only one that can be there for me all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it was a journey of coming to a place where I could actually find my security in Christ to the point where I didn't go towards other things that were, to try to fill my life in ways that were unhealthy. Um, pursuit of finding um, belonging and meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. in healing so I had said that I had kind of tried to erase my past and try to fit in and everything like that but eventually I had I came to a place where 
God eventually brought me to a place where I had came face to face with my past and I had a decision to make in that moment. Was I going to just keep running from it? Or was I going to face it? And so that was a huge point in my life where I had to keep trusting God and face it. I couldn't run from it. I had to work through those emotions and recognize and I began to recognize things that I couldn't recognize in the past. Like, why did I act the way I was? A lot of people, like, I wish someone would be telling me that, oh, yeah, when you were, like, 12 years old, um, you couldn't talk. But that wasn't because you, like, that was because your heart was closed. Like, you had suffered a lot of emotional pain, and um, which had closed your heart. And I feel like God was able to, because I kept looking to Christ, he was able to help me walk through that pain and not turn away, face the pain, continue to walk through it with, of course, people surrounding myself with people that were positive. I think we have to be careful when we care about people and we want to bring people in to our community. But I think what we really want is we want to see God's healing power alive and work in their lives. We want to be that for everyone. Like we want to heal them. We have to remember that only Christ can heal them. We have to keep pointing people mm-hmm. to Christ. We have to keep pointing people to Christ. I don't feel like I have the answers for how that is done, but we just have to be faithful to keep pointing people to Christ because I know for myself in my life, that's what I had to keep coming back to because otherwise I never would have gotten through so much emotional baggage that I was carrying and find healing and um and I feel like I'm still on a journey of healing. I recognize I still things in my life that I respond and act because of my past. But having Christ to come back to is very grounding and everything for me to be able to continue on this road.